theft of government records and obstruction of justice. There is no trial date there yet. And of course, we believe Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis will be bringing a criminal case. There's no uh, case has not been filed there yet, so there's no trial date. And we also believe Special Counsel Jack Smith will indict Donald Trump again in the August-September time period for Donald Trump's conduct uh, relating to the January 6th insurrection, aiding and abetting seditious conspiracy, wire fraud, um, as well as Donald Trump's threats to local and state election officials, the fake elector scheme, and all of Donald Trump's uh, election interference crimes uh, in connection with the 2020 election. So if you're a little confused, though, you go, you're thinking, I thought E. Jean Carroll had her trial already. Um, what are you talking about, Ben, the E. Jean Carroll trial? Uh -huh. Well, the E. Jean Carroll trial, where E. Jean Carroll prevailed, was technically referred to as E. Jean Carroll II, that case was brought based on defamatory statements that Donald Trump made in October of 2022 on his social media platform. Also, New York passed a law called the Adult Survivors Act, which for victims of sexual assault revived the statute of limitations with a one-year look-back period. So. Uh, e. Jean Carroll was sexually assaulted by Donald Trump in 1996 or so, so her statute of limitations expired on or around 1998, but with the new law under New York Adult Survivors Act, which uh, was enacted, I believe, right around November of 2022, E. Jean Carroll had one year from that period to bring her case based on the underlying sexual assault, and other victims in New York as well were able to have that one year look back period. So the case that E. Jean Carroll brought that went before a jury where she was awarded $5 million includes defamation from October 2022 and claims brought under the New York Adult Survivors Act. E. Jean Carroll 1 relates to defamatory statements Donald Trump made when he was in office uh, in uh, the summer of 2019 when E. Jean Carroll published a book and gave interviews and Donald Trump called her a liar and made a number of reprehensible statements about her. Um, there was a whole appeals process. The United States government substituted in. Bill Barr had the U.S. government substituted in. The district judge, Lewis Kaplan, rejected the substitution and went to the Second Circuit Court of Appeal. They partially overruled Lewis Kaplan but sent the remainder of the case to the Washington, D.C. Court of Appeal, which sent the case back to Judge Lewis Kaplan with instructions that these are factual questions that are better suited for the jury. And that happened right around the time that the other E. Jean Carroll case was about to go to trial. So E. Jean Carroll 1 um, has not yet gone to trial. E. Jean Carroll 2 went to trial. Um, based on the findings by the jury in E. Jean Carroll 2, there are now certain judicially noticeable facts. There are certain stipulated facts, I mean, or not stipulated, but findings that have been made by a jury that um, presumably will be binding on future cases brought by E. Jean Carroll against Donald Trump. For example, that uh, E. Jean Carroll was indeed uh, sexually assaulted by Donald Trump in 1996. That's a finding that's made. And two, Donald Trump's statements that that didn't happen are defamatory. So when E. Jean Carroll uh, sought to amend uh, the first case, one of the things that she added in the amendment that Judge Lewis Kaplan granted was all of the things that happened at trial 
because she amended the first the complaint in Eugene Carroll one to say, look, a jury has now made these findings that Donald Trump engaged in this conduct and that his statements were defamatory. And in addition, Eugene Carroll could have filed a whole new lawsuit, call it Eugene Carroll three, based on Donald Trump's new defamatory conduct. And by the way, she still may decide to do that. Nothing here prevents her from doing that. But her lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, who is just absolutely brilliant, made such a smart surgical decision because E. Jean Carroll one would be going to trial soon. Roberta Kaplan made the decision, hey, let's just amend E. Jean Carroll one. Let's add these new allegations um, based on Donald Trump's recent conduct. And then we can get all of that uh, conduct that Donald Trump's engaged in before a jury to increase the damages um, and demand more and punitive damages and seek at least $10 million. And so the other day, Judge Lewis Kaplan granted that. And here's the order. Plaintiff's motion for leave to amend is granted. A memorandum opinion may follow. So Eugene Carroll's motion to amend the complaint. Donald Trump opposed it. The amended complaint is deemed served and filed today. Defendant Donald Trump has requested that the court, should the court deny plaintiff's motion to amend, grant defendant permission to file a supplemental motion for summary judgment. As the court has granted plaintiff's motion, the request is moot. In other words, just rejecting Donald Trump's request here because the court is granting uh, the right for E. Jean Carroll to file an amended complaint. And then three, it says the United States concedes that subsequent events have overtaken both the government's 2020 certification that the defendant acted within the scope of his employment in making his allegedly defamatory statements. And two, the government's 2020 motion to substitute the United States for the defendant in this case under the Westfall Act and nevertheless has requested time following determination of the motion for leave to amend for the government to determine its present position on the scope of employment question. In all these circumstances, any further submission by the United States, including any new or amended certification and or motion to substitute and or the defendant with respect to substitution of the United States for the defendant shall be served and filed no later than July 13, 2023. And then it talks about replies so ordered and that order came down June 13, 2023. And all that means is that Bill Barr had the United States substitute in and certified that the conduct by Donald Trump was within the course and scope of Donald Trump's employment and uh, under the Westfall Act to try to have the case dismissed, which just said Trump's an employee of the United States government and his conduct in defaming E. Jean Carroll was within the course and scope of employment. Judge Lewis Kaplan had previously rejected that. That started the whole appeals process how to use hotspot Right. What happened, man? How come it stopped? It stopped. Oh, shit. All right. Uh, Fulton County DA's latest move should terrify Donald Trump one hour ago.
This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Let's put aside for a minute the 37-count criminal indictment against Donald Trump, indicted for the second time, the newest one just this past week down in Miami, related to Espionage Act, conspiracy, obstruction, witness tampering. Put aside for a minute the 34-count criminal indictment in state court in New York, um, just uh, two months ago against Donald Trump in, um, in May, related to business fraud and business record fraud on the Stormy Daniels cover-up at Hush Money Affair. And let's focus on uh, Fonnie Willis, Fulton County, Georgia prosecutor. Some people might be saying on this hot take, well, Popak, what's new? Why are we talking about it? Because there's been a new development. That's, that's why. <laughs> Fonnie Willis announced in April, just this past April, in letters that she sent to the Fulton County, Georgia yeah. sheriff, and all people related to the administration of justice in downtown Atlanta, where she where she works, that uh-huh. she was looking to uh, bring her indictment, bring her grand jury against Donald Trump and others, starting on 7-11, easy to remember, July 11th, mm. and concluding on September 1, 7-11. that she anticipated that there would be an indictment of unnamed people, but we know that means Donald Trump, somewhere in the... Um, second or third week of July or the first week in August. She asked the Fulton County Sheriff's Office to coordinate with local uh, and federal police and law enforcement to make sure that there was the peace was kept in downtown Atlanta, at the state house, at the courthouse, and at the DA's office, which all sit across from each other. We know that happened in April, but now we have a new development. The Fulton County Sheriff, Pat Labatt, took it very seriously and decided to uh, detail a group of deputy sheriffs from his office to go both to New York and just this past week to go to Miami to observe courtroom and courthouse area security measures Uh successfully used in New York and now in Miami so they could bring it back home to Fulton County, Atlanta. So Fonnie Willis and the people around her, and these professionals around her taking the potential indictment, the likely indictment of Donald Trump, maybe Mark Meadows, maybe uh, Lindsey Graham, who's also involved, maybe Rudy Giuliani, and others, extremely seriously, as they should. They wouldn't be going through all of these measures and taking all of these measures and sending Fulton County sheriffs from Atlanta to New York and now Miami if this didn't involve Donald Trump and those at the highest level of the conspiracy, the apex predators of the conspiracy. And that just happened. In fact, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office posted on its own Twitter feed, we'll put it up here, an announcement that in light of the fact that the Fulton County prosecutor has announced that sometime in the summer, we know that's starting July 11th through 9-1, through September 1, and and the tweet goes on, to say we know that the Fulton County District Attorney is looking into the criminal investigation, into the attempts to interfere with the administration of the 2020 Georgia general election. And based on that, the uh, press release says, they have decided to send people from the office, law enforcement, to both New York and Miami. Good news is, they would have observed a very, very well-run operation in both New York and in Miami. There was very little, if any, um, disturbance or disruption in New York. 
you know, there was a handful of people with tambourines or whatever um, in a small park near the federal courthouse in downtown or lower Manhattan. But really the same thing in Miami. Put aside the split screen images that Donald Trump wanted you to see of him going to a local uh, Cuban bakery and restaurant for a celebration of his birthday uh, coming out of the courthouse. But on the streets of downtown Miami, where the federal courthouse is located, the Wilkie Ferguson courthouse, there's very few people on the street, a couple hundred, maybe, tops, you know, in a city that's got, you know, five million, you know, across the, across the Tri-County area. So, you know, this was not a big, you know, show of force to support, you know, their president, Donald Trump. But the Fulton County Sheriff's Office got to see the federal response, how the federal marshals were handling the surrounding area, how the local and county police and sheriffs in Miami were handling the local area. They even got to observe how um, elected officials and others handled the response. Mayor Suarez, who apparently has now announced that he's running for president, having been the short-term mayor of Miami. They got to see how that worked. So this, again, for me on this hot take, is the strongest indication that the um, indictments that Fawny Willis will be obtaining from the grand jury ultimately in starting in mid-July through the end of July, Second, beginning of August, of have to involve Donald Trump. Which means very, very soon on the Midas yeah. Touch Network, we're going to talk about and analyze how Donald Trump continues to run as a at least three, if not four-time indicted, <laughs> criminally indicted, both state and federal candidate. How does he do that? We got how he ran as a twice impeached, but now twice impeached, three or four time indicted with major trials coming up on his calendar and on our calendar. You know, right now, you know, there's an October of this coming, a fall, October, huge civil fraud case, which could bankrupt Donald Trump, brought by the attorney general of the state of New York in state court there. That's in October. In March, it's already been announced that there's going to be a state court trial of Donald Trump in the Stormy Daniels hush money cover-up trial, criminal trial. Now, that could move. That could move if Jack Smith's trial, which will likely take precedence in Mar-a-Lago, gets set for, let's say, first or second quarter of 2024, which could happen. It could go that quickly. It'll probably bump the other cases. They'll, they'll stand down as as often do, and the federal government has supremacy in that area, and they can bigfoot the state court judges and jump to the front of the line. It's like a speed pass at Disney. Federal Department of Justice prosecutors, they go right to the front of Splash Mountain. And that'll be the Trump prosecution. And if they indict him again, which is likely on the Jack Smith side, for all things Jan 6th, including his role in the insurrection, the leader of the insurrection, and the uh, interference with the election and all of that, that again will go to the front of the line. Fawny Willis, you know, it's like a air. You know, there is no Department of Justice or Justice air traffic controller who can place all these planes in the appropriate place for takeoff. So it'll be you know the two or three Jack Smith planes get brought to the front. <laughs> okay, they're cleared for takeoff first. Fawny Willis and the New York prosecutions will slide behind them. And, you know, he's going to be able to argue, I, I can't go to criminal trial in that month, Your Honor. I just checked my calendar. And I'm already in a criminal trial in another location. I mean, this is what the, ju- the, the jurists, the judges, 
and the prosecutors and defense attorneys are going to have to deal with because of this, the criminality of this person. Fitting in all of these trials before primary season or during primary season, uh, it's not impossible. And at least two, I would predict, if not more, are going to go to trial before he's um, running in a general election as the likely, I can't even believe I'm saying this, the likely Republican nominee. <laughs> P.S. to Republican friends of mine, this is the best you can do. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know people like to attack Joe Biden, who's been in the public eye and a public servant for 50 years because he's, you know, this anti-ageism thing, this ageism thing, because he's 80. Okay. And uh, which, you, which used to mean against a guy like Donald Trump, it means seniority, it means leadership, it means experience. All right, say what you want about that, but this is the best you got. A three-time indicted, potentially convicted, twice impeached, a judge sex abuser. That 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 is what the Republican Party has to offer the American people. That's just a little side, little side color commentary. It's not really the focus of my hot take, but I wanted to throw it in there because the more I rattle off his Donald Trump's unique hall of of shame statistics it's hard to believe i also have to say he's the leading candidate of the republican party that's where we're at with the fawny willis um and fulton county pat labatt sheriff announcement that they have sent for surveillance purposes to miami people so that we don't have on the streets of atlanta what what could happen and what did happen on jan 6th that's what they're all worried about that is the nightmare. That's what keeps the prosecutors up at night, is that something tips over, uh, not by accident, but by design, by Donald Trump, MAGA, Carrie Lake, Jim Jordan, the right-wing MAGA in Congress, who continue, despite having lived through Gen 6 and watched it, the carnage, are trying to do it all over again. And that's what keeps these prosecutors and law enforcement up at night. Um, another Jan 6, right? it, it, it just happened. It's not something like in ancient history books, like everybody alive today, including kids, remember Jan 6th, all right? And so that's what they're doing. I'm bringing it to you here on this hot take so that you know another data point that indicates the indictment again of Donald Trump, this time in Atlanta, Georgia, and we'll continue to follow it all the way through July, August, and September as those indictments come out only on the Midas Touch Network. I'm a practicing national trial lawyer. I practice in courts just like the ones we're talking about. I co-anchor a podcast on the Midas Touch Network where we talk about things just I'm like this with my co-anchors Karen Friedman Ignifolo and Ben Micellas on Wednesdays and on Saturdays. And you can give me a thumbs up here. Helps with the uh, logarithm. Uh, the Bye, yeah. Thank you so much for your hot takes. Um, like the speed path. Maybe an amicus. Brief. Mama.
Kui Griffin. Precedent. Friends. I'm running for president too, and I'd like to ask your help in filing a letter with all of these criminal investigations asking as presidential candidate 2024 for Trump to be disqualified from public office. Keep writing. Logarithm, sorry. <laughs> Starts, uh, helps with the algorithm. You can tell this is unscripted. Uh, and helps keep the quantity and quality of things coming to you. You can follow me, Michael Popak, for news, analysis, and information, and an occasional laugh and mistake on all things social media, at MS Popak. This is Michael Popak reporting. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetic more are going to go to trial before he as those indictments come out only on the Midas Touch Network. I'm a practicing national trial lawyer. I practice in courts just like the ones we're talking about. I co-anchor a podcast on the Midas Touch Network where we talk about things just like this. Room and courthouse area security measures successfully used in New York and now in Miami so they could bring it back home to Fulton County, Atlanta. So Phony Willis and the people around her and these professionals around her are taking the potential indictment, the likely indictment of Donald Trump, maybe Mark Meadows, maybe uh, Lindsey Graham, who's also involved, maybe Rudy Giuliani and others extremely seriously, as they Message. should. They wouldn't be going through all of these measures Two. and taking all of these measures and sending Fulton County sheriffs from Atlanta to New York and now Miami if this didn't involve Donald Trump and those at the highest level of the conspiracy, the apex predators of the conspiracy. And that just happened. In fact, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office posted on its own Twitter feed, we'll put it up here, an announcement that in light of the fact that the Fulton County prosecutor has announced that sometime in the summer, and we know that's starting July 11th through 9-1, through September 1, and the, and the tweet goes on huh. to say that we know that the, the Fulton County District on. Attorney is looking into the criminal investigation, into the attempts to interfere with the administration of the 2020 Georgia general election. And based on that, the uh, press release says they have decided to send people from the office, law enforcement, to both New York and Miami. Good news is they would have observed a very, very well-run operation in both New York and in Miami. There was very little, if any, um, disturbance or disruption in New York. You know, there was a handful of people with tambourines or whatever um, in a small park near the federal courthouse in downtown or lower Manhattan. But really the same thing in Miami. 
Put aside the split-screen images that Donald Trump wanted you to see of him going to a local uh, Cuban bakery and restaurant for a celebration of his birthday. Hey, Georgia Republican Party. Really, this dinosaur-faced hoe is the best you can get? High school dropout sex offender, she planted bombs. Hey, Georgia Republican Party. Really, this dinosaur-faced hoe. Uh, coming out of the courthouse, but on the streets of downtown Miami, where the federal courthouse is located, the Wilkie Ferguson courthouse, there's very few people on the street, a couple hundred, maybe, tops, you know, in a city that's got, you know, five million, you know, across the, across the tri-county area. So, you know, this was not a big, you know, show of force to support you know, their president, Donald Trump. But the Fulton County Sheriff's Office got to see the federal response, how the federal marshals were handling the surrounding area, how the local and county police and sheriffs in Miami were handling the local area. They even got to observe how um, elected officials and others handled the response. Mayor Suarez, who apparently has now announced that he's running for president, having been the short-term mayor of Miami. They got to see how that worked. So this, again, for me on this hot take, is the strongest indication that the um, indictments that Fawny Willis will be obtaining from the grand jury ultimately, in starting in mid-July through the end of July, beginning of August, have to involve Donald Trump. Which means very, very soon on the Midas Touch Network, we're going to talk about and analyze how Donald Trump continues to run as a at least three, if not four time indicted, criminally indicted, both state and federal candidate. How does he do that? We got how he ran as a twice impeached, but now twice impeached, three or four time indicted, with major trials coming up on his calendar and on our calendar. You know, right now, you know, there's an October of this coming, a fall October, huge civil fraud case, which could Bankrupt Donald Trump, brought by the Attorney General of the State of New York in state court there. That's in October. In March, it's already been announced that there's going to be a state court trial of Donald Trump in the Stormy Daniels hush money cover-up trial, criminal trial. Now that could move. That could move if Jack Smith's trial, which will likely take precedence in Mar-a-Lago, gets set for, let's say, first or second quarter of 2024, which could happen, could go that quickly. It'll probably bump the other cases. They'll, they'll stand down, as, as often do, and the federal government has supremacy in that area, and they can bigfoot the state court judges and jump to the front of the line. It's like a speed pass at Disney. Federal Department of Justice prosecutors, they go right. Speed pass at Disney. Trump accidentally celebrates decision by DA. (laughs) I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. (laughs) Donald Trump just posted on his social media platform, apparently celebrating that the Westchester County of New York District Attorney's Office will not be bringing criminal charges against him in connection with a two-year investigation that was taking place. I'll explain what that investigation is in just a moment, but... 
in reality, the reason why the Westchester County District Attorney is not pursuing criminal charges is not because Donald Trump did not engage in criminal conduct. It was because the charges were either outside of the statute of limitations or there was overlapping jurisdiction with the New York Attorney General, and the New York Attorney General has already brought civil fraud charges against Donald Trump, which are set to go to trial on October 2nd, 2023, before Judge Arthur Ngoron, where New York Attorney General Letitia James is seeking at least $250 million in damages, as well as injunctive relief that would effectively shut down the Trump organization, Donald Trump and his adult children, from ever conducting business again in New York. So believe it or not, the criminal charges and the penalties that would ultimately flow were actually less than the charges in a civil proceeding that's currently taking place would get from a jury that New York Attorney General Letitia James is bringing where she can get injunctive relief to stop Donald Trump and the Trump Organization and his adult children from conducting business in New York again and seeking at least $250 million, but probably in the billions of dollars uh, in damages. And also, to me, this reinforces as well that the Manhattan District Attorney is still investigating criminal conduct against Donald Trump regarding fraudulent financial valuations, which is also the topic of the New York Attorney General's civil fraud lawsuit set to go to trial in October of 2023, in addition to the criminal charges, the 34 separate felony counts of falsification of business records that Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has already brought. So far from this being a celebratory thing for Donald Trump, it doesn't mean that the Westchester County District Attorney found that there was no wrongdoing. It was just the wrongdoing either happened too long in the past that they can't reach it, and it doesn't matter because the New York Attorney General's case is addressing that issue with more powerful remedies. But this is how Donald Trump cast it. He goes, after going through a criminal investigation for two years by the District Attorney's Office in Westchester County, New York, it was just announced that the case has been dropped and no charges will be filed. This was the honorable thing to do and that I did nothing wrong, but where and when do I get my reputation back? When will the other fake cases against me be dropped? Election interference, exclamation point, exclamation point. This story was broken by the Insider uh, website, and they talk about how the prosecutor found that the evidence collected in the investigation um, was either outside the statute of limitations or it overlapped with investigations underway by other law enforcement officials, New York Attorney General, Manhattan District Attorney, and uh, uh, this was uh, provided to the insider, which confirms that that's the reason why um, the criminal investigation was dropped. Um, it goes on to say, much of the materials came under the jurisdiction of the New York Attorney General's office. The district attorney's office can pursue only criminal cases, while the attorney general's office has the power to bring civil lawsuits. Just so you know what this is about, it's the exact same thing that uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James is focused on. 
on fraudulent valuations and specifically fraudulent valuations at one of Donald Trump's golf courses uh, in Westchester County and whether Donald Trump inflated or deflated um, the uh, valuation of the property in his statement of financial conditions when it would support him in a given situation. You would tell taxing authorities one thing, you would tell um, lenders another thing, you would tell insurance authorities another thing when and where uh, that fit your specific needs, which of course uh, is criminal. So that's what this uh, relates to. Going uh, into the uh, article that was published by The Insider, it talks about how the district attorney's office in Westchester County, north of New York City, opened the investigation two years ago. It examined whether the former president's family business illegally misled authorities about the value of the Trump National Golf Club, Westchester, to pay lower property taxes for years leading up to the uh, criminal investigation. Um, the local area, of course, was entangled in, as they all are with Donald Trump properties, civil litigation with the club over the property's true value and appropriate tax bill, court records reviewed by the Insider Show. In 2020, the office subpoenaed financial records from the golf course, according to the New York Times. In the years since, public information about the investigation has been scarce. That's probably why you haven't even heard about this until now. According to a person familiar with the case, the investigation's scope eventually expanded into Donald Trump's personal conduct in determining the golf club's valuation. Um, it also explains how the Manhattan District Attorney's Office has been looking into the company's finances even longer, going to the Supreme Court twice of the United States to get uh, tax records. And the article goes on to say how Manhattan prosecutors brought criminal charges against the company and then CFO Alan Weisselberg in the summer of 2021, alleging they falsified tax payroll tax records and of course uh, the Trump organization was found guilty it is a felony organization right now so as adjudicated by a jury so when Donald Trump says when am I getting my reputation back a jury has found that the Trump organization is uh, a felony organization uh, a uh, federal uh, jury has found that you engaged in a sexual assault of E. Jean Carroll and defamation your CFO uh, pled guilty to felony tax crimes. And so in terms of your reputation, you are the one to blame because of your traitorousness, criminality, and malignant narcissism. Um, so when you put these uh, facts together, um, and by the way, within the, I'll mention this, within the Attorney General's lawsuit, it, it specifically talks about this golf course. I want to point that out. Uh, it says the following, and Mr. Trump's golf course in Westchester, the valuation for 2011 assumed new members would pay an initiation fee of nearly $200,000 for each of the 67 unsold memberships, even though many new members in that year paid no initiation fee at all, the lawsuit alleged. In some instances, Mr. Trump specifically directed club employees to reduce or eliminate initiation fees to boost membership numbers. The inflated valuations helped bring up Trump's net worth, which allowed him to obtain more favorable insurance and bank loan rates, the Attorney General's lawsuit alleges. The lawsuit also claims the Trump Organization misrepresented the 
property value of its 212-acre Seven Springs estate, also in Westchester, and that case is scheduled for an October trial. So one of the ways he tried to inflate the valuation of his property is by claiming that the members were paying $200,000 each when they actually were not paying that fee, and then he was able to get more favorable uh, loans, and then he misrepresented the value of his 212-acre Seven Springs estate um, as well. And so again, here, the issue is not that Donald Trump was found to be innocent. The issue was not that Donald Trump did nothing wrong. The issue is simply that jurisdictionally, these claims could be brought by the New York Attorney General, which they are, in the civil fraud case set to go to trial October 2nd of 2023, and also potentially in a future Manhattan District Attorney criminal case. So this is all very bad news for Donald Trump, but you know, with everything that MAGA Republicans do, with everything that Donald Trump does, it's all spin. And so for him, the fact that there is no investigation, he's going to post about it and say, see, this was all a witch hunt. Everything's a witch hunt. Everybody's out to get me. See here. But here's the thing, folks. That trial, the New York Attorney General case, that will be going to trial October 2nd, 2023, just as Arthur and Goran said, come hell or high water, that's going to trial. The Manhattan District Attorney criminal case is going to trial in March of 2024. The E. Jean Carroll second defamation case, trial's just been set there, January 15th of 2024. So three cases set for trial that doesn't even include special counsel Jack Smith's cases. It doesn't water include Fawny Willis's cases. It doesn't include a future Manhattan District Attorney criminal. Case against Donald Trump after uh, you have New York Attorney General Letitia James prevails in October. So. Actually, good news here uh, to report, but, you know, Donald Trump will spread the lies to his base, but want to break that down for you. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We are on our way to 1.5 million subscribers. Thanks to your support. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. And wherever you get audio podcasts, subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast and have an excellent day. Too, At Midas brother. Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and... Okay, yeah, we do. New Democratic Star emulates Lauren Bubert's um, First of all, let me apologize because that was uncalled for. So let me do what she would never do, uh, which is to be an adult in this room or in this chamber. Nah. What's up, everyone? Coach D speaks here. Listen, I don't even want to waste your time with an intro because I want to get to this video so that you can watch it in its entirety. Because my favorite congressperson, by far, like second place isn't even close, the Honorable Miss Jasmine Crockett just dragged Lauren Boebert. Watching this video sends me back to New Orleans, Louisiana, sitting on the porch with some of my friends and cousins <laughs> ribbing each other. Like Lauren Boebert was not ready. <laughs> Check uh -huh. this video out. So, uh, oh, Jesus. Okay, so this is where we're going to start, Miss Kaskin. Um, first of all, let me apologize because that was uncalled for. So let me do what she would never do, uh, which is it's to be an adult in this room or in this chamber. So let me start there. I'm also going to start with some nonsense that she was trying to spew. And unlike Miss Bobert, I am legally trained. 
and I've passed a few bar exams uh, and I also legislated before I got here. So I do want to start with um, correcting the record a little bit. And if you want to add to that, please do. Uh, there was conversation about ATF because my colleagues love to talk about their guns, baby. Uh, and I'm from Texas. So let me be clear. I also own firearms. Let me screw Democrats own guns too. Let me make it clear. I, I own guns and I'm licensed to carry. That is a regulation. Regulations aren't necessarily bad. It didn't stop me from being able to get a gun. Um, so we were talking about, or y'all were talking about the ATF, which I wasn't going there. I didn't plan to go there. Uh, but you know what? I, I honestly wish the ATF would run amok because we know that seemingly the people that run this chamber don't have the courage to come up with one of the things we've heard is common sense regulations when it comes to guns and to be clear our constitution the second amendment anticipates people having common sense unfortunately we have not done that and unfortunately it has cost us lives listen if you have an aunt or a mom like mine and you hear them start with "Ooh, jesus you just know it's about to go down when she said Lauren Boebert wasn't an adult, that was enough for me to think that Lauren Boebert should have just tucked her tail and walked out of there. But then it got worse because then she went in on the fact that Lauren Boebert had barely got through high school and that she, in contrast, had passed a couple of bar exams and had already legislated before getting to Congress. So she was just really talking smack about how Lauren Boebert is uneducated and is not qualified to be in Congress. Then she said something that I've been saying for years, which is Democrats have guns. Liberals have guns. This lady said that she was from Texas, went through the regulation process and still owns a gun. So basically saying that Lauren Boebert needs to stop with all her lying for clout because it ain't working. Oh, and then she ends it with the writers of the Constitution anticipated people having common sense. But unfortunately, and it's painfully obvious based on the fact that Lauren Boebert says the things that she says, everyone doesn't have common sense. Damn, I love that video. Period. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Sunday, June 11, 2023. I'm Anthony Davis. Welcome to The Weekend Show, where we take a deep dive into the news of the week. You can support my work and get exclusive access to bonus content at patreon.com slash five minute news. Joining us today is an attorney, election integrity advocate and political writer with a column at the Bucks County Beacon. Jennifer Kahn, welcome back to The Weekend Show. Hi, Anthony. It's great to see you again. So, uh, you, your episode is like a, it's a big weekend, really. It really news. is. Wow. 
and, and, and for Donald Trump, obviously, and for everybody in his orbit and the huge backlash to his indictment, which is what we're going to look at, certainly amongst his followers. And I know that you write a lot about Christian nationalism, and we're going to take a look at how that kind of connects his followers to him and, the, and those people around him. Donald Trump is preparing for his second arraignment in two months after learning he would face seven federal charges in connection to his mishandling of classified documents. The charges filed by the Office of Special Counsel Jack Smith in Federal District Court in Miami include the willful retention of national defense information, obstruction of justice, conspiracy, false statements, and concealment under Title 18 of the U.S. Criminal Code, um, the, unseal the unsealing of this indictment happened on, on uh, Friday, and we've kind of learned that the movement of these boxes is something that the FBI were clearly tracking. Uh, they, were, they had access to the uh, CCTV at Mar-a-Lago, which I mean, Trump basically handed them the evidence that they needed in order to, to prosecute him. What, what's your initial reaction to, to this? And... and you know, do you think that Trump is going to be able to wriggle out of this one, or do they have him banged to rights? It doesn't sound like he's going to be able to wriggle out of it. My initial reaction was a little conflicted. It might surprise people who follow me, but I actually have a very much have like a defense sort of minded mentality. I tend to feel sorry for especially white collar criminals. And in Trump's case, I actually, there is a part of me that feels a little bad for him, I have to say, except, except the fact that he constantly is wreaking havoc on the country and stoking, in my opinion, or attempting to stoke, in my opinion, um, violence among his supporters and harassment of lawmakers and members of our government. He's a continuing threat. And... I guess my, I also at the same time immediately thought of the locker up bullshit BS from 2016. And that was when I first started to wake up politically, thanks to the threat that was the Trump administration, that was Trump. And these rallies where his followers were all chanting, locker up, locker up, locker up, like something that would be from another country. And so there's also a part of me that feels like, in a karma sort of a way, they abs he absolutely deserves it. And it appears that the Justice Department feels that in a legal sense, he deserves it. And so we'll just have to see how it plays out. But I'm glad they unsealed the indictment. I should say I haven't had time to read the unsealed indictment today. Um, I was looking for it yesterday. Um, I hope it has enough meat on the bones to give us something to work with in anticipation of the obvious backlash that there's going to be from some of his supporters. Well, the the indictment tracks how boxes were moved throughout Mar-a-Lago after Trump moved to his Florida club after he left the White House. Mm -hmm. The boxes were initially stored in a ballroom uh, before Trump's aide, Walt Norter, who has also been indicted, moved some of the boxes to a business center at the estate in March 2021. Um, two people who worked for Trump discussed over text message whether they were able to move boxes holding classified documents. So they actually have text messages that prove that people involved in this knew what was in those boxes and were kind of, I guess, seeking permission to move it, but only seeking 
permission from Trump rather than seeking permission from the national records or or whoever. Um, I, I get the feeling that you talk about the kind of the backlash. This is something that's very interesting and something that you kind of have a lot of expertise in. And that is, I think there was a very interesting article written in, in Vice on uh, Friday that talked about his far-right supporters threatening civil war after this news broke on Thursday uh, that the former president is to, to be indicted. Um, and one Trump supporter wrote on the Donald, one of these sites, we need to start killing these traitorous F-stains. Um, mm-hmm. The Donald is a, is a pro-Trump message board that played a key role in planning the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Another one wrote, it's not going to stop until bodies start stacking up. We are not civilly represented anymore, and they'll come for us next. Some of us, they already have. I mean, this plays into what Donald Trump has been saying about they're not coming for me, they're coming for you. You know, you will be next. And, and I mean, even when the indictment, he was the one that, that leaked the indictment on Thursday, you know, a bit like he did with the Mar-a-Lago search. The FBI didn't talk about that. He talked about that. He didn't... I was looking at the timeline between him finding out about the indictment being told by his lawyers and him putting it on Truth Social. It was like two minutes. Mm -hmm. It didn't even take counsel. It's like weaponizing it, throwing it to his people like meat and saying, okay, you guys, save me. What's really happening here? Well, I think that Trump, very much like his longest advisor, Roger Stone, who I've also written about frequently, is as much or more concerned with the court of public opinion than he has been with the court of law. And he sees the two as interconnected, and he's not, unfortunately, entirely wrong. The court of public opinion absolutely can impact the court of law, and I think that that is what we're seeing already and what we're going to see going forward is a public campaign trying to undermine prosecutions. And that includes an element of threat threatening, obviously the people um, involved in bringing the prosecutions. It involves possibly threatening jurors. So for example, when there is a precursor to this long before Rod, before Trump began threatening Alvin Bragg in the other case where he was indicted, the, um, the Stormy Daniels hush money case. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he immediately went on to True Social and had a picture of himself wielding a bat with Alvin Bragg's head near him. And there was a precedent for that because Roger Stone did something very similar. And he was indicted criminally, um, and he was convicted, by the way, Roger Stone. He just got a pardon from Trump um, in time for him to help with the Stop the Steal movement. Roger Stone similarly had put out a social media post um, with a picture of the judge in his case and a symbol that resembled crosshairs behind her head and an inflammatory message. And of course, given Stone's connections to violent extremist groups, which he had been flaunting already by then, and of course Trump, via Stone, I believe, is that connection, but Trump via Stone is very tight with violent extremists. Um, some of them are malicious, some of them are sort of um, Christian extremists who use a lot of rhetoric that, you know, they claim they, they might claim they don't mean it literally, but it sure sounds literal when they talk about um, Democrats being demons and 
we're in, we're in a battle and we're in a war and we have to destroy these people. In any event, um, I think we're going to see more from Trump and from Stone and from their minions of trying to gin up public outrage and thereby somehow get him a get-out-of-jail free card as, um, from this criminal prosecution, both of the criminal prosecutions, actually. And I think he should probably at some point be hit with a gag order. Roger Stone was hit with a gag order. He violated it. But at least there was a gag order. And in fact, the gag order extended to his friends and family and his inner circle. Um, Stone, Trump has a pretty big inner, inner circle, so I don't know how you would limit people that you mentioned, you know, on social media. I mean, to stoke violence, but... But maybe it's not possible to gag Donald Trump. And maybe this has been the problem with, you know, him saying all the quiet parts out loud. And everything that he says, everything he posts online, everything that he is recorded saying, of course, there's this recording at Bedminster where he boasts about having these, you know, this, these classified documents. And he, he basically exposes the fact that he knew full well that he couldn't declassify them after leaving the White House. Um, maybe with all of these things, he has basically created this stockpile of evidence for, for Jack Smith. And, and, and that's really how he's not going to be able to backtrack, because this is the evidence they're going to put in front of him is stuff that he has said, stuff that he has posted, stuff that he has communicated. I mean, he's like a terrible criminal. He's like one of the, he's, he's just an idiot. He just leaves breadcrumbs wherever he goes. Right. Well, I've heard a few things. Um, you know, I heard Rachel Maddow last night, and she was speculating, and it's something that I worry about, which is that the DOJ could, in theory, try to come up with a deal where they agree to dismiss the charges if um, Trump doesn't run for president. I would hope it would go further than that and have him just shut the F up about anything on politics or politicians or lawmakers or anything. Um, it could be that he's kind of trying to make put us in such a dangerous situation with his violent supporters that there would be some kind some kind of a deal offered. I also have concerns that um, Biden or whoever wins the next presidential election that they could pardon him, and so part of winning over the court of public opinion and extracting inflicting as much misery on the country as possible could play into that. I don't know that he knows exactly what his plan is by doing this, but absolutely this playing to the court of public opinion has worked for him so far. It is a long-standing Roger Stone policy, and they're going certainly to keep doing it, inflicting misery and hoping that somehow um, that gets people to back down or somehow will work so he gets a pardon or, or he gets a sweet deal or, or something. I mean, that would be really the, lose their nerve. Um, yeah, but it would be the worst outcome, wouldn't it? Because yet again, I mean, despite what you said about white collar crime at the beginning, that is, I mean, these crimes are so serious because you know there's connections to Iran and, and, and talking about defense stuff. I mean, there's it's not like these are just low level papers. This is very high security stuff that he has been flaunting. It, it and, seems and, that way. Um, it would help if the indictment had offered some clue as to whether he's shared these secrets with foreign countries. And again, I haven't read it. 
think that would help the court of public opinion, you know, battling this battle in the court of public opinion, because frankly, it does matter. It also matters for the election, by the way. But um, I guess these are serious crimes. I guess the other feeling that I have is as serious as they are, um, you know, trying to overthrow the government was more serious. And I have just great frustration with our inability, I think, of our criminal justice system to address that crime. And I think I understand what the problem is, and I'm not really casting stones about it, actually. It's frustrating. I think the problem is that they feel that they need, on the trying to overthrow the government, that the DOJ seems to feel that they need to prove that these people knew that they were spewing bullshit about it being a stolen election, and that proving that state of mind in a criminal case where you have this very high standard, high burden of proof of beyond a reasonable doubt, it's not you know, someone like me, I can look and say, oh, come on, they knew, right? It's kind of obvious, but that's not the criminal standard. Pro proving, it is, proving it is more difficult. Maybe, I mean, we haven't heard what other indictments might follow because right. Jack Smith is also looking at the overturning of the election as a kind of separate issue. Um, no, but, maybe, but I wish that that were charged, I guess, because that's really yeah. the biggest crime that... Well, that has more of a lasting stain on democracy, doesn't it? I mean, that, that really is a, it's more about making a point that America's democracy is, is going to remain safe for future elections. Because right. to all intents and purposes, Trump would do this again, right? There is no reason why he and his people are not planning to do the whole fake electors scheme again. And I mean, there's... A, they're well, and putting, lying about believing, I mean, it was actually kind of genius to pretend to believe that your election was stolen is pretty genius. Um, you have to wonder if they got criminal advice or if this is just kind of, they, they used the, the plan appears to have been, and I believe Trump chickened out on it actually, um, which uh, is not, no compliment to him. What, what I believe the plan was, was for him to invoke the Insurrection Act. I don't think I'm certainly the first person to say this. And then deputize his supporters, many of whom were armed, which would have included like the Oath Keepers and the and the Proud Boys, to um, help him quash what he anticipated would be a very physical opposition, rioting and, and such, and to have them use a use these militias and perhaps the military, but if not the military, the militias to help him quash opposition. And I believe that that was the plan and that two things thwarted it. One was that Antifa didn't show up. Certainly Trump was laying the groundwork for that. On January 5th, he issued a memorandum accusing Trump of uh, Antifa in anticipation of violence. I think he was laying the groundwork to invoke the Insurrection Act based on clashes with Antifa, which he would then blame on Antifa. And then, or election fraud. On the election fraud, I think he got cold feet because his advisors, which told him he really needed cover via an official, either a court ruling, which he didn't have that. So then he was thought, thought okay, well, I'm going to get the um, DOJ, but then Bill Barr wouldn't do that. And then he thought, okay, well, I'll get the office of the director of national intelligence, who I believe was on board with, that was John Ratcliffe, with trying to manipulate whatever report he got to support a pro-Trump, this election was rigged, widespread fraud narrative, but the career professionals at the Office of the Director of National Intelligence refused to go along with it and refused to produce such a report because it was a lie. So he didn't have that cover, and I think that that's ultimately 
what thwarted it. But then there was also criminal support because, um, accusing Trump of uh, Antifa in anticipation of violence. I think he was laying the groundwork to invoke the Insurrection Act based on clashes with Antifa, which he would then blame on Antifa. And then, or, or elect. fraud on the election fraud I think he got cold feet because his advisors 